and welcome to Heineken Rugby Weekly on the 42.ie. Every week we bring you behind the lines with expert analysis, tactical insights and engaging conversation around the international and club season. Our expert analysts will ask the hard questions and answer any you might have each Thursday. We'll also have a feature interview with some of the biggest names and most interesting characters in the game. If you want to get more from the game, join Heineken Rugby Club, whose members enjoy exclusive rewards like match tickets and more. Visit Heineken Rugby Club for more. Remember to enjoy Heineken responsibly. And visit drinkaware.ie on how to do so. It is the Joe Smith appreciation episode, Mary Kinsella. The <laughs> Joe show, if you like. Yeah, well, he's been getting deserved praise this week, um, having announced that he's heading off after the World Cup. Um, welcome back, Ryan, I should say. I know Gavin was jealous last time because you were getting compliments <laughs> when you stepped in for him. God so. only knows where he is this week. <laughs> Good to have you back. Thanks. Andy Dunn is here as always. Andy, how's things? All very well, thank you. Good stuff. Murray, let's kick straight into it. As you say, big week, big week of news. Joe Smith obviously announcing on Monday that he will step down after the World Cup. It was kind of inevitable in the end, really, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was indeed. Um, kind of, he had hinted at it, I guess, over the last couple of weeks, and kind of prepared people for what was coming. Um, but yeah, it's it's obviously a, a massive blow for Irish rugby either way. If you knew it was coming or not, they're going to lose one of the greatest rugby brains in the world. Um, Andy Farrell's going to have the really difficult task of of filling his his boots and and stepping up to that role. First time being a head coach as well. So um, I'm sure we'll dig into that a bit yeah. more. But yeah, it's been a really kind of a uh, big news week for Irish rugby. Sure. I'm sure you saw Ron O'Gara last night threw his name into the hat, potentially as becoming part of Andy Farrell's coaching team. Um, what did you make of his comments? And he kind of left it a bit open as well, didn't he? Yeah, he said one phone call can change everything. He certainly didn't rule himself out of the picture. His contract with Crusaders is up at the end of 2019, mm-hmm. which obviously would be good timing. Um, I guess the question would be where he, where he would fit in. He's doing defence coach and, and backs kind of coaching down in, in Crusaders. So he is building a, a really kind of wide skill set as a coach, obviously massively respected by the players. And I know he does have a really good relationship with Andy Farrell. I think they uh, have worked quite closely and, and are in touch quite often about defensive things and, and that side of the game. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. I think everyone will be interested in being part of that picture because the Ireland coaching staff jobs now are so attractive. You're working with such a good system with players who are in great nick when they come into camp um, a really good production line underneath it and, and O'Gara would certainly I think add something to it it'll be also interesting to see if Paul O'Connell plays a part in sure, it as well yeah. you know maybe potentially around the line out or set piece but look there's going to be loads of people putting their hand up for those jobs Yeah we'll, we'll discuss that I suppose in more detail as the show goes on but but Andy speaking of, of coaches and head coaches Michael Cech under fire at the moment the Wallabies have gone through a bad year News this week: South African former South African head coach Jake White has kind of thrown his thrown his name into that ring, maybe helping Rugby Australia out. They've turned down an approach from him after it uh, became public in the media during the week. What did you kind of make of that? Um, I think uh, Jake White cracks me up at this stage. He's um, I've never seen a coach in in any professional setting: football, rugby, cricket, basketball, who <coughs> so openly courts. Uh, jobs while he's already in a job. I mean, when he was in Montpellier a couple of years ago, he he actively pursued the French job. I think he went looking for the South African job, and he did it in a very public way. And he involves the media as part of the process. Most guys even look at the likes of of Raj as kind of veiled, um, mm. you know, making himself available in a very hinting kind of fashion. But he's still respectful of his employers down in Canterbury and saying, if a phone call came, maybe I'd consider it. Mm. Jake White, I think 
actively pursues jobs that other people have, which isn't a particularly mm. nice thing. Yeah, in I a think small of what, what does Michael community. Jack think of this? Um, Mike, you know, he's he's a bit of a he's become a bit of a character of of his own self. Why he reminds me of the Sven Goran Eriksson throws his hat in, in the ring for any available job. Yeah, Mary, obviously a great night for Irish rugby in Monaco on Sunday. Johnny Sexton winning World Player of the Year. He's also a good news story. Johnny in the news again this week. His boots uh, from Paris, that famous drop goal were auctioned off for 15,000 euro for young Anna Brown in Cork and then a uh, donator also put 10,000 on top of that so 25,000 raised which is an incredible amount. Yeah, it's a really nice little story uh, in the Irish Independent. I think Billy Keane, his, his relative, was involved in it um, and it just speaks volumes, I guess, of Johnny Sex and these kind of things and he, he's not the one who courts the publicity sure, around yeah. it. I know he, he gave away his... Um, uh, his jersey from the same match to, to Dan Foley, Anthony Foley's mm. son, sent it to him completely unannounced for his birthday uh, as a surprise gift. Really classy kind of touches that probably speak volumes about Johnny off the pitch, the bits we don't really see around the squad as well. Like his, his teammates will mention it's not just his skills on the pitch, not just his demands, but he's a really good uh, personality as well. I thought it was a, a classy touch and it's nice that uh, Roby has those really good stories away from the pitch as well. Really nice touch. <laughs> You're listening to Heineken Rugby Weekly with the 42. Now, Murray, obviously we touched on at the start of the show, a big week in Irish rugby. The RFU wasted little time in appointing Joe Schmidt's successor in the same press release that landed in our inboxes on Monday morning. Andy Farrell is obviously going to step up as defence coach. You know, he's he's very highly regarded within the squad. What did you make of the appointment and is it the right one? It makes sense. I think um, the RFU all along have said we're going to try and pick from our own pool of coaches. Um, and Philip Brown came out a couple of weeks ago and, and mentioned Farrell and Lancaster um, and a couple others, Easterby as well in there. Um, yeah, it makes sense from their point of view. They're going to get a lot of uh, kind of seamless transition as they're terming it. Um, Farrell's extremely popular with the players, like extremely popular. Mm. And everyone actually in the game who's come across him. Um, so he's already got them on side in that, in that regard. Like there is there is an element of risk involved because he's never been the boss. He's mm. done first team coach at Saracens, but he had a director of rugby over him. He's done a few different roles, but but never been the guy making the, the biggest calls. So that is definitely going to be a challenge for him. Um, his personality would suggest that he'll thrive on that. He He's a very strong, um, very strong character, as we've just mentioned there. He has this kind of like physical aura about him. Mm. Um, when you go into a room, because he's such a, a big guy, he's 6'4", he's, he still clearly works out in the gym and stuff and he kind of tends to dominate the room w- with that kind of aura. There's much more to it than that though, you know. You can win respect from players with that and with your defensive coaching, but when you're the main guy in charge, when you're dropping players, when you're picking players, when you're giving them bad news, when you're overseeing a lot more than just a, a specific part of the game, um, and when that relationship changes, because an assistant coach is almost almost like a peer at times, mm. you know. He's, he's the one who has that closer relationship with them, who can maybe talk to them when they've been dropped, when they've fallen out of the picture a little bit so that um, management of the relationships is going to be really tricky for him I think um, but look there's loads of positives there he's clearly highly laud- highly regarded coach he's massively in demand even uh, England tried to get him back as defence coach um, I'm sure he's had many other offers and, and I wouldn't be surprised if this uh, succession was almost part of his contracting or his planning when he when he came over that the RFU had indicated listen there's this opportunity potentially down the line for you um, so yeah it makes sense from, from the RFU's point of view but I do think there's the qualifier that it is going to be a challenge for him stepping up into that role and particularly coming after the most successful mm-hmm. Irish head coach of all time a guy who set new expectations and very lofty expectations so um, it's hard to answer is he the right guy 
I think the he has the qualities certainly there, but really we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, Andy filling Joe's shoes, as Murray touched on, is it is a big task. Just that, as Mario O'Connor, who obviously took over at Leinster. Yeah, well, I, let's not forget that Joe was also an assistant coach only mm. up until he took over in Leinster. He was Vernon Cotter's assistant for I think six, seven seasons, um, and I may be mistaken slightly but I do think he lost four of his first five competitive Leinster professional yeah. games as head coach uh, and and even in know, the media at that time there was well, you know, great, a you know, criticism yeah. great visionaries like George Hook calling <laughs> for his head on a regular basis but um, I think Joe was given a little bit of time and a little bit of patience as all coaches should be afforded longer than a couple of months um, and quite clearly has has put in his own imprint um and it's it's gone so deep now into our rugby culture and and how we operate um and I'd like to think as Farrell taking over is given the same opportunity to put his own imprint on because I think it seems apparent he's not the same personality as as Joe um he may be working with an Irish squad maybe where Johnny Sexton is is considering his his future mm. although I've seen lately I think for obvious reasons Lancaster's got into Johnny's head about Tom Brady, Tom Brady a lot yeah. saying, you know <laughs> you're going to keep you till you're 40 and it's very, a very legitimate approach if he minds himself but he will he will be dealing with a team in transition after a World Cup period hopefully a successful one um, and I think we've got to embrace the idea that not everybody is Joe not everybody thinks the same very, in fact very few people think the same as Joe and operate the same as Joe and, and there will be a new departure and if he's given time to put his own uh, imprint on that team I think the squad that we've developed the strength and depth we've developed on his own personality which has been hugely successful in its own right from his playing days in Wigan to the crossover from league to union with England to coaching with Saracens to successfully defensive coaching with England uh, as an assistant with Ireland assistant with the Lions he's a pretty impressive track record so let's give him a little bit of time to put his own shape on things Yeah Mary mm. how important and crucial is that the makeup of his backroom team going to be because obviously he's been defensive coach Stuart Lancaster has been kind of rumoured all along will he kind of move into that Ireland job obviously we touched on Ron O'Gara at the start of the show Paul O'Connor all these different decisions that he's going to have to make obviously Joe Schmidt had such a huge influence on the Ireland attack during his tenure so that's going to be a big void to fill as well yeah, it'll be a really crucial appointment. All all the support staff around him, like Easterby's contracted to 2020, so is Richie Murphy. Mm. But you'd imagine maybe two or three others, like Greg Feek's Greg leaving, Feek that's a, yeah. a huge blow as well. Um, so there's going to be important um, kind of additions to the support staff. Tack coach will be a massive one. Joe Schmidt, we, we know his level of detail and, and genius in that regard. And oftentimes that attention to detail has almost been the difference for, for mm. Ireland. Obviously, it's down to players like Jacob Stockdale to chip ahead and, and regather that ball, but there's Joe Schmidt's brain putting that move together, the one in the Grand Slam game against England as well. Um, that has made a big difference for Ireland at times. Uh, yeah, I think Andy's point about there are different ways of doing it, and that's probably something we will have to respect. I think the fact that Andy Farrell is so well respected by the next crop of players like that there is going to be an inevitable turnaround in, in the next World Cup cycle but the, the likes of Gary Ringrose Josh van der Fleer that kind of next bracket of leaders who are emerging um, are certainly on Farrell's side and they certainly want him to be a success so he has that basis to, to build from um, and I think the players will understand that it is going to be slightly different There, there's no one with Joe Schmidt's probably insatiable appetite to, to watch Roby clips and, and well, pick out those things as well. Some players may embrace that and grow in a different way. Mm. You know, the strategists in the Irish group may, um, I suppose, be very upset or, or they're very kind of 
thinkers who are very similar to Joe would be upset with his departure. Maybe the more expressive types and the likes of, you know, Zebo has gone and, and missed out. But those type of characters who, who they may feel a, a new lease of life. Andrew Conway did a very interesting interview talking about how, you know, Joe's a, a, such an intense and brilliant coach, yet... You know, it, there was some language in the interview, whether he, he he meant it or not, but he was talking about you always feel like you're being watched. You know, phrases like that, they don't augur all that well, you know, for uh, a relaxed environment. But I think he, Andrew Conway certainly meant it in a positive light. But, you know, I think Phil Jackson came into the Chicago Bulls after a very uh, strategic period there for, for 10 years and was quite a liberal guy and ended up winning six championships with them. So different styles can work, you know. Mm. The circle of love, is that it? That's it. Yeah. I'm just reading that no, book yeah, actually at the moment. It's really yeah. 11 really, rings. It's yeah. really interesting. Yeah, he's a hippie um, essentially. <laughs> yeah, and it struck me actually because I'd read the... Yeah. the um, what was he American football coach yes, there was a yeah. lot of Joe stuff in there Stuart Lancaster and I read this one Phil Jackson's like yeah. there's so many different ways of being successful basically yeah, sure. is the point and I think that Farrell will really excel in that cultural sphere before mm. they even get onto the pitch and winning guys over and having them play for him and being emotional and passionate in what they do so yeah it's going to be different and, and people will definitely have to adjust and expectations will be really high so there probably will be a potentially rocky period as Andy says sure. at the start but mm. I think Andy Farrell certainly has all the tools and he's learned from some great strategists in Mark McCall and Joe yeah. um, and Stuart Lancaster he's worked with as well so he's he's had a really good um, educational pathway and now now he feels it's, it's time to step up. Yeah, to briefly wrap it up Mary, I was just looking at Ireland's schedule for 2020-2021 you mentioned maybe short term <laughs> pain there it is a fairly tough start from away to England and France in the Six Nations followed by home games against Australia and South Africa that November and in 2021 Ireland are playing the All Blacks four times over that 12 month period including a three test series in New Zealand so you know <laughs> Is short, do we have to be realistic? You, you know, obviously ex expectations are going to be high naturally, but do we have to be realistic in that regard that there could be a bit of short-term pain? Yeah, I think you do. I, I think there's going to be change. It doesn't have to be negative. And, and the RFU have set out in their latest strategy, we're, we're there to win and win mm -hmm. everything we mm -hmm. can. It, that's their goal. There's not going to be an acceptance. Oh, listen, Joe's gone. Let's give him a, a, a bit of space. Yeah, you, you do have to allow things to particularly if it's a different philosophy with, with the head coach, you do have to allow things time to, to bet in. So there will be that understanding. They've given him a four-year contract tr true until after the next World Cup. So clearly there is that faith and that understanding that he maybe will take a little bit of time to, to get those things sorted out. I think three years is a huge amount of time as well. Like three years ago, we were mourning the loss yeah. of O'Connell and O'Driscoll and yeah. we'll never replace them. And we probably arguably haven't replaced personnel exactly the same but we're a stronger side three years later and, and it's an amazing transition in that period of time so who knows what can happen in the next three years with the, the quality and the, the breadth of talent that's coming through a provincial level Welcome back. You're listening to Heineken Rugby Weekly with the 42. Now, this week's feature interview, Murray, you caught up with Simon Zeba, who's enjoying life in Paris. Yeah, and you mentioned him earlier on, um, has been out of the Ireland frame, but he's settled in really well at Racing. So, yeah, just caught up with him about how he's getting on. So, tell me, how's life in Paris? Are you enjoying it? I am, yeah. Life in Paris is very good. It's uh, it's great. All my family settled in really well. Kids are in school and crash and... Um, and the rugby is, is going very well. Um, there's a, a great squad, you know. All the boys are, are really nice. All the coaches are, are very good. And um, yeah, there's just a great atmosphere in the club. So it's been um, an easy transition for me. So um, 
yeah, I'm loving life um, at the minute. Yeah, you mentioned your family there. That's obviously brilliant that they're selling in so well. Has the club, do they help a lot in that regard? Or are you left to kind of find your own way a little bit? Are you relying on teammates in that sense? Oh, no, no. The club, the club helps you out as much as, as you want, but there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of teammates in the in the squad who have kids of a similar age and um, the crash and schools are, are relatively close and um, um, you know our president uh, Mr. Aaron Zay is, um, is in the in the process of building a crash on site at the training centre so oh, wow. um, you know the, the club are very uh, family orientated and they, they really do look after the, the players and staff really well so it's um, like yeah, it's just a great atmosphere to be in, and um, they go over and above to to make sure everything's okay with the with the family and stuff. So it's very happy days. Yeah. What what about rugby wise? How much of an adjustment has it been from what you knew at Munster in Ireland to to there? Yeah, it's um, it's 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 been a bit different, all right, but um, it's uh, it's excellent, you know. It's um, it's a different way or a different outlook of of seeing the game, you know. They um, they are, uh, you know, the French are <laughs> very different to the Irish mentality wise, but it's um, it's uh, it's been good. It's been good. It suits my game, I think. Uh, quite well, you know, the the way they want to play the game, the expressive nature in which they try to play the game, they they um they uh, they welcome risk, you know, with reward and, and things. So uh hey guys, sorry, the O'Garris have all uh just come up on me. Right. <laughs> hi guys, how are you? Hi Jess, how's it going? Tell sorry, him we said hi. <laughs> yeah, I will Murray Kinsley hello. <laughs> Um, so um, yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. No worries. Um, no, but it's good. It's good. I um, I'm really enjoying the, the the rugby on the pitch, and you know, there's a lot of world class players there as well. So I think we all bounce off each other and um, enjoy playing with each other. Yeah, it's it's, it's, uh, it's a great place to play rugby. Yeah, you seem to certainly have settled in well. Six tries in the top fourteen already. Have you set yourself a target in that regard? I actually haven't. No. Um, I, I, the thing is, I, I, I obviously love scoring tries, but um, I love setting up tries as well. So um, I think uh, it'd probably be difficult to, you know, be a top try scorer or, or something like that, given the the way I like to to, to pass and kick to assist and, and and things like that. So um, I keep scoring as much as I can and, and just getting the ball in my hand as much as I can. And usually when that happens, one of one of two things is a. Uh, not far from the other, so yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just uh, enjoying my rugby and scoring and setting up tries is um, a reason why I'm enjoying it. <laughs> yeah, you seem to have found some kind of kindred spirits there as well. Finn Russell and, and Teddy Thomas in particular. Have you enjoyed, I guess, linking with those guys who seem to have a similar spirit to you? I guess around rugby. Yeah, yeah, that, that's very true. We we do have a similar spirit and outlook on the game, and um, you know, I think our the three of us. Um, our skill sets kind of complement each other. Um, you know, Finn is is a great distributor, and he, he plays with no blinkers, and he's he's willing to try anything at any time. So one little call here or there, and you know, it happens immediately without without uh, wasting time to to think whether or to think about the risk. You know, so um, that's great. And and with Teddy, you know, he's just. He's just so uh, electric with ball in hand, and he's he's running really nice lines off me in training and, and in matches. But um, 
we haven't played too much together with the French internationals and things like that, him being injured. So um, no doubt when he when he comes back to full fitness, we'll be um, hopefully uh, you know connecting well on the field as well. But for, uh, as for playing with Finn, he's been unreal to play with thus far, and um, we really complement each other really well. I think. Yeah. Do you have a little celebration going with Teddy Thomas? Did I see that in the Ulster game or something? <laughs> What's that about? Yes, we do. We have a couple of celebrations together. Um, <laughs> uh, we just have a bit of fun. We've got a, a few in the pipeline as well. So that um, next time one of us scores, there's some different moves. But we uh, we joke around the training all the time, um, celebrating any scores or any tries. So um, you know, we have similar personalities. We hang out a lot after uh, outside the pitch and. Um, yeah, it's great. It's uh, it's just a really fun atmosphere. Everybody at the club is enjoying their rugby, and and I think you can see um, we haven't been unbelievably consistent. We are uh, when we're on form, we're we're a pretty tough team to beat because everybody's in a good atmosphere and and playing well. So yeah, speaking of fun, I think you had a bit of crack when Conor Murray was over, and you put up the Instagram with the hashtag recruitment. <laughs> I'm sure he didn't thank you for that, did he? Oh, no, he didn't. Um, I was only trying to add an extra zero onto his contract, but it didn't work because <laughs> he had already he had it signed already. So um, no, we I was only playing around. Not everybody knew that he was all done and dusted, but yeah. um, I know I, I knew full well that he had already signed. I was just trying to. Uh, get him in a little bit of trouble. Yeah. You do have obviously Donnick Ryan over there another Munster man. Can you just tell us like how important a figure is he in the setup? Because I've heard mentions of him um, and he's obviously so selfless and humble but how important is he to Racing? Uh, he's massively important. Yeah, Donnick would, um, you know, in my opinion, he would have been a massive reason why they got to the to the final last year. I think, you know, they're, they're a club with some unbelievable talent and unbelievable players and, and he's kind of like the... Uh, the rock of solidity or something like, you know, in the mix of it all, you know, he's he's a real calm head. He's unbelievably disciplined having come from the Irish and once set up, I think, you know, um the discipline side of things that he, he um brings to wrestling is is um unbelievably important. And um he um he is improving um, his worth, you know, and the coaches, I think he's probably one of the first uh, names down at the DCs every week. And um, he is, uh, yeah, massively important. He leads our, our line in defence. He leads the line He's just um, an absolute work rate machine. So um, he's, he's vital to uh, keep the wrestling dog moving. Yeah, really, really important guy. You've obviously been really honest yeah. in, in your kind of desire to keep playing for Ireland if you can. Obviously, it looks tough at the moment. Like, how hard was it for you watching in November as the lads again achieved more? Um, yeah, I, I, I'd obviously love to play for Ireland. I, um, you know, I, I'm, I grew up in Ireland. I grew up wanting to play for Munster in Ireland. And, um, you know, it, it's been a dream playing for Ireland. But, um, Watching the boys in November, um, it, you know, it was great because I'm just delighted for all the players. You know, I know what it's like um, to, to to go out and beat the All Blacks. So I can only imagine how how special that that day was. And I was watching the game; the atmosphere looked unbelievable. Um, and you know, to be honest, it never looked like losing. Weirdly enough, um, so um, that's not very often you say that with an Irish team playing the All Blacks. So. Um, yeah, it was a it was a special day, and um, 
you know, uh, maybe if I didn't have a taste of it or of beating the All Blacks, I might have been a bit more envious of uh, wanting to play. But you know, um, for this November series, I was just very happy for the for the boys and uh, just because I have so many friends in the team. So um, yeah, it was great. Yeah, and you obviously played a massive role in that 2016 win. Like, obviously, Joe's going to be leaving after the World Cup. Would you have any kind of outside hope that potentially a change of head coach might change the picture for you and other guys who are outside Ireland? Yeah, 100%. Hopefully, um, that would be great, you know. Um, I think it's probably, uh, maybe like, there's no rule, you know. So maybe it's a coaching thing, maybe, you know, because I know Declan... um, Tommy Ball used to play abroad and, and one or two others and um, with Joe, Johnny played abroad and, uh, you know, I think if it's possible, you know, obviously they want to, to keep Irish players playing for the provinces, which is obviously important too, but um, maybe for one-off very important tournaments, um, there might be a, a little bit of leeway um, given, I don't know. So the dream is is always going to be alive, you know, I'd always love to represent my country, but having said that, um, it's not in it's not in my hands to decide. So um, I'm just going to to keep playing the best rugby I can play over here. Keep enjoying myself, and if a phone call comes, a phone call comes, and I'd be delighted. And if not, you know, I'm um, I'm very happy with my life in Paris. So there's uh, there's no ill feelings. Yeah, absolutely. J- just to wrap up, Simon. You mentioned there the Racing probably haven't hit the the heights they w- want to this season. Two from two in Europe though and, and third in the top 14 now. Does it feel like you guys are, are going to be competitive again on, on both fronts at, at come the end of the season? Does it feel like it's building towards that? 100%. 100%. I think uh, um, there's too much talent in our change room not to be competitive on both fronts and um, two from two in Europe is, is definitely a statement towards that because the top 14 is always it's a competition with massive history massive tradition um, for over a hundred years, you know, it's um, it's massive to the to the French clubs, and um, it's uh, something I'm really excited to be playing. And I love the tournament, unbelievable atmosphere from week to week, and I'm certainly trying to um, invest some of my desire and hunger in, uh, in the Champions Cup, you know, because that's uh, for me was the be and be all and end all. Um, growing up in Munster and playing rugby, watching. Raj and Paulie and these guys lift Champions Cups you know I know how much it meant to me so um, I think uh, having tasted the final last year the boys are uh, definitely um, on par with the two trophies they they have no doubts in their mind that competing for the double this year is something that um, is uh, very much at the forefront of the squad's, squad's mind but obviously it'll be a bit more difficult with the top 14 um, to do this but um, with the squad we have as, as I was saying and the, the full support from the president there's, I genuinely think there's um, there's, n- there's nothing that we uh, we couldn't potentially do so um, hopefully we get our momentum going and uh, continue um, to uh, evolve and, and uh, get better the way um the way we've done so in the past couple of weeks yeah well thanks a million for taking the time and it's great to hear that you and the family are enjoying it over there and, and best luck for, for the future thanks Simon brilliant brilliant thanks a million Mario I really appreciate it for time, man. thank you You're listening to Heineken Rugby Weekly with the 42. A really fascinating chat there with Simon Zebo. Now the Pro 14 continues this weekend round 10 action Murray Leinster <laughs> 
pretty impressive again last weekend. Seven try win over the Ospreys. They've um, they've fielded fifty players already this season. Leo Cullen obviously talked about fielding fifty five during their double double winning campaign. How? on earth have they built up that production line because three debutants last week Scott Penny so impressive then you had Jimmy O'Brien and, and Jack Kelly coming off the bench I mean the never ending that production line is it? Yeah it's a good question I think we've mentioned before the strength of Leinster school system um, and that is playing a, a big part in it they're coming from St. Michael's from Newbridge from lots of different schools now it's not just a traditional Black Rock and and Michael's, there's other schools cont- contributing a lot to that now. Uh, and the fact that the players are coming through so almost game ready, like Scott mm. Penny, 19, what did he score? Eight tries in the Celtic yeah. Cup, really dominant, didn't look out of place at all yeah. in his kind of Pro 14 uh, start either, uh, physically or mentally, in terms of where he was and, and what roles he was performing for Leinster. He had everything nailed down. Listen, there were bits that he'll pick out and go I can get much better here but it's frightening to think that he can fit in that quickly um, we should also mention just before we talk more about it I thought the uh, kind of more senior players in that Leicester yeah. team were brilliant mm. the likes of Fardy James Tracy uh, Ross Maloney Michael Bent even they made life really easy and for no those read, guys actually, no read actually really, game, really yeah. good game yeah that lovely little grubber um, so they obviously made it easier but yeah it is frightening to think that they're getting so many guys through um, almost to the point that you know, where is everyone going to get a game? Like yeah. if Scott Penny's 19, he's already pushing for first team starts. Yeah. It, it's quite incredible. They're also getting club players through probably less prolifically as well, but Kieran Frawley's yeah. an example of that. He scaries um, and is really impressive, like a, a big guy, but with a really rounded skill set. Some of his kicking to touch, I thought was absolutely brilliant. He had that lovely offload before the Ed Byrne try as well. And I think the Leinster school system will continue to produce really good players for them. Clearly the academy is a really good finishing school but mm. I think they're benefiting from a lot of the good work that's going on underneath them. Um, and for the other provinces as well, like we, sh- clearly the numbers coming through aren't quite to the, the same level yeah. based on population I guess is one factor. But there are also positives there for like say Munster. Like last weekend the two West Cork guys uh, Fenine Witcherly and Liam Coombs or Gavin Coombs rather cousin of Liam were really impressive in, in a horrible conditions <laughs> against Zebra over in Italy. Both of them look like really good athletes and I know Munster are very excited about their potential as well. It's great for Munster to be getting that crop of players from West Cork which traditionally maybe wasn't the, the kind of production line but they've started to dig into that now. I think even I'm from Waterford and you'd like to see them get more out of that as mm. well. I think they're putting a bit of focus into their maybe joining a couple of schools together and getting them playing in the in the school's cup together and, and hopefully pick a few more players like Jack O'Donoghue out of that uh, area as well. Even in Ulster, you look at jo- uh, Dunleavy, Joe Dunleavy's come through from, from Donegal mm. and there are a couple more now coming from Letterkenny or FC. So I, I think it would be really positive um, for the other provinces as well to, to start um, trying to match Leinster, but not in exactly the same way try and find maybe different sources that, you know, they don't have the Leinster School Senior Cup, they don't have the equivalent quite. Uh, I'll be in an Ulster, they do obviously have a strong competition there. Um, so I think the challenge for them is to to find these different sources and really tap into them. But yeah, it's been really impressive from Leinster yet again. Yeah, and I wanted to get your thoughts on, on Kieran Frawley because obviously he had a great game last week, but he's kind of gone under the radar in the sense that obviously all the talk last season was about Joey Carberry and mm. Ross Byrne. What have you kind of made of him? And, you know, obviously he's an option at 12 as well because he played there at under-20s level. But as Murray's saying, he had a great game last week and he just his skill set is, seems to be exceptional. Yeah, I think he's a he's a serious prospect. He's, um, I really like, Murray mentioned his line kicking out of hand. I really like his place kicking as well. Mm. Um, he's got, certainly got the physique. 
to to comfortably manage um you know carrying the ball and, and taking the ball to the line and offloading um I don't know enough about his defense because I haven't seen it under pressure I haven't seen it but he will as he as he as he kind of goes up the levels he's absolutely going to be tested all tens now at the highest level are tested hugely in that channel um, and that's a question he'll have to answer he certainly has the physical attributes to to manage defensive challenges very comfortably um, but then you have to ask has he got the, the technical aspects of his tackle has he got the aggression um, he looks to me like he's a very composed um, individual he's, he's not afraid of uh, giving direction of being chatty on the field as a young guy so they're all huge positives in a 10 um, and I would I would be I'd be keen enough to see him stay at 10 as opposed to there's mm. always a danger a, a guy of his his height and, and strength can suddenly become diluted half 10 half 12 mm. and and becomes a victim of his own versatility I actually think he's he looks like an out and out 10 and given where Leinster have lost Carberry um, probably because they didn't give him enough games at 10 I think they'll have a heightened sense of uh, I think they're, they they still are a little bit hurt from the the way it all panned out with Carberry um, losing a guy of his talent they really only have Johnny who's not going to play a whole lot of games for them over the next, if if they want to keep him in in the Tom Brady mold for the next five to six seven years, they're going to wrap him in cotton wool, and then they're down to Ross Byrne and who's next. So yeah. I think they need to give Frawley lots of time at ten, back him, and I am I would be very surprised if he doesn't step up to their expectations. He looks quality. Mm. Yeah, really interesting point on the defence because that's kind of changing now for tens, isn't it? Mm. Especially with the high tackle laws because so many tens go so high, target the ball, but you got to be real careful now. And he did play 12, didn't he, under 20s? Yeah. He yeah. played in centre as well, so I think that's a really good point. He spoke about it on um, after the game on Friday that actually playing at 12, you know, increases defensive work and he got a real mm. appetite for it. But as Andy said, obviously, mm. you know, when you're yeah. when you're challenging that 10 channel, it's, it's a completely different ball game. Yeah, and as a young 10, he, he probably needs to get a balance in the sense if he's challenged defensively, he all he does is he needs to be adequate. Mm. You know, the likes of Wilkinson when they came in started to change it for all of us tens and killing it for us. Like suddenly <laughs> you have to be smashing everyone backwards and hitting rooks. I was having none of it, and you don't need it. Like different tens in different scenarios. If you're adequate, um, you know, Mel Dean, I played with in Harlequins used to describe me as just be like a piece of chewing gum or a speed bump. Just slow them down and, <laughs> yeah. until the cavalry comes in. Yeah. And certain tens will do that and, and run a game in a different way. And, and once he's not a you know saloon doors defence where he's getting beaten left right and centre. Once he's stopping people and adequate, the rest of his game ought to come to to the fore. You know. Yeah. One other guy as well who was really impressive was Caelan Doris, who yeah. obviously has featured already this season. But I thought it was probably his best performance yet at, at senior level for for Leinster. He carried really well. He offloaded. He tackled. He was very physical. And it's interesting that already like Max Deegan is kind of almost losing out in game time because sure. Caelan Doris is such a prospect and there's the challenge like yeah. always in the back road there's mm-hmm. always going to be guys who are getting frustrated um, and there always seems to be more mm-hmm. talent coming through yeah. and you go down and watch those schools cup games and there's always another good back row coming through there's always a standout so yeah I thought Doris was really really impressive and obviously there's been a lot of chat about him behind behind closed doors or behind the scenes as well and 
um, certainly starting to fulfil that potential. Yeah, Josh Murphy spoke about it on Monday that, you know, obviously first year is of a senior contract. There's, a, there's an added pressure there. You want to play games. You're not in the academy anymore. So it's, you know, playing two, three, pro 14 games a year isn't enough. How does how does Cullen and Lancaster manage that? Because there's just so many options now with the, the internationals filtering back, especially, as you say, in the back row. Yeah, well, there's certainly, an, you have to have an element of ruthlessness at times. Like, mm. there's so many good options and you just got to pick your the players that you think are going to be most successful moving forward. If you are using 50 and 55 players a season, that obviously helps. Um, but it's just, I guess, then working with those individual personalities, like who is happy to kind of sit there and maybe not get as much game time as they may, may do at another province or with a move away. But it, it, that's a really big challenge for Colin, I guess, managing that. And so far, he's largely done a really good job of it. Yeah, brilliant. Lencer, uh, travel to the Dragons on Saturday. We'll, uh, we'll take a look at the uh, Pro 14 games before we wrap up. Welcome back to Heineken Rugby Weekly with the 42. Now, Murray, we've uh, sat around the table here, put our heads together, and we're going to try and pick um, Ireland's very early World Cup squad. Um, There's a lot of very difficult decisions to try to whittle that down into a 31-man squad for Japan. Yeah. Where do you start? It's really tricky. I guess you have to start with trying to decide how many you want in each position. Um, So looking back at the, the 2015 squad... Joe Schmidt went for five props, three hookers. He had four locks. He had five back rows, but I guess he had Ian Henderson who could play six there. Um, he only had two scrum halves and Madig- we were just mentioning off air, Madigan was the third kind of scrum yeah. half. He was covering that. So they had the three out halves there. Three centres and six back three players, albeit like Earls and Fitzgerald could cover at 13. So it's a really difficult challenge trying to figure out exactly where you need cover but the strength for are the positive for guys who can cover multiple positions. Like Will Addison this month has played three positions in three caps. And for me, like that's almost enough. And he's been impressive in those performances as well. Was unlucky with the, the head injury um, against the USA. So he only got 40 minutes, but he's done really well. And, and that first hilly is absolutely crucial. You look at Byrne as well, being able to play six. Um, that kind of thing is, is massive. So yeah, I guess the, <laughs> you go through each position, like the the... The props, if you're going to pick five props, I think Furlong Porter, uh, Healy and McGrath are pretty much nailed on, would you Would you think, Andy? Yeah. And then you're picking one more. Um, John Ryan, Finley Bealham, Dave Kilcoyne have been in the mix. Mm. And realistically, the, the fifth one's probably going to come from there. The strength with Andrew Porter is that he started off as a loose head, so he almost covers both sides. And in that case, do you look at bringing another tight head, do you think? Well, I I always go on what my prop friends tell me on these things, <laughs> and uh, um, I've chatted to, to Peter Coyle recently and uh, Emmett Byrne a while back. Um, they they both be uh, big supporters of John Ryan as a technical scrummager. Yeah, and um, and the value that brings to your your overall game, you know, does does he need to be a Rolls Royce around the field? Not particularly if he's a really strong scrummaging tight head, uh, and if he's your second or third choice guy, and you know your scrum won't suffer in the event of injury or the event of we need to give, you know, Furlong gets a gets a calf strain or something. If he's out ten days in the middle of the World Cup, you need to know your scrum is going to be secure and that your lifter is going to do his job as as is required. And there, your it's like having a you know a scrum half. You can do everything except pass. It's not a great scrum half. So you want to go with your your. I think your scrummaging prop. Um. So for me, I would probably yeah, I'd probably edge for John Ryan. And that's not because I understand scrummaging. <laughs> <laughs> I understand how to listen to other props. Yeah. And tell me this. Yeah. So, well, Joe's gone back yeah. for back to him repeatedly. 
and he looked pretty happy with his try against the USA. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. he clearly can uh, finish tries anyway. Yeah. But I think that makes sense as well. He has played a bit loose head as well when he was younger. And um, so you have that kind of versatile, versatile element. So there, yeah, there are five props, I think, aren't they? Ferdinand Porter, Ryan, Heedy McGrath. That's a pretty strong unit. Like the Irish scrum has been sensational for some time now and probably the best in the world almost now. I heard Mike Ross talking about it and off the ball and he said they're right up there so again defer to his knowledge but it's been really impressive statistically um, uh, and certainly watching those scrums against Argentina and New Zealand backpedalling was really impressive stuff Hooker Rory Best as captain I know people have been kind of questioning him maybe a little bit mm. and maybe hadn't wasn't as best against Argentina certainly wasn't as best but a really good performance against New Zealand he's the captain I can't see him not going um, what do you think about the other Hookers, uh, we've Cronin, Scanlon, Herring, James Tracy obviously has been in the mix, but realistically, it'll be Cronin, Scanlon, Herring, the guys I think who'll be yeah. number two and three. Well, just on the Rory Best one, I, I, I'd agree with you. I can see him obviously going and most likely being the captain, but um, I could see him being under real pressure to start. Mm. Um, Andy Dalton was the 87 All Blacks captain. He didn't start in the final. Sean Fitzpatrick did. So, you know, there's yeah. you've got to allow for these changes in form and while every man you know to a man against the All Blacks where it was heroic uh, Rory had quite a poor 20-30 minute period in the first half where he was the only player on the field who spilled ball in contact and, and made a few handling errors again not the key part of his job but it's essential that he contributes around the field when the two or three guys are behind him are very very good in that area uh, probably none more so than than Cronin mm-hmm. um, but yeah then there's the scrummaging ac- aspect of, of being a hooker and then there's the reliability of your throw there's the, the multiple variables of being a line out thrower now it's not just your your delivery it's the movement it's the call that Devon Toner and the strategists make so um, to pick two out of three for me I, w- I would probably go with um Cronin and, and Scannell uh, as the backup too ahead yeah. of Herring I just again I just think uh, Cronin offers so much around the field I think Scannell has been excellent in, in the recent 12 months Yeah and a good set piece hooker mm. like Joe Schmidt doesn't seem to see Cronin as a starter No, and seems to be based on that set piece the scrum which Bess is brilliant in and Cronin he's so impactful off the bench it almost mm. makes more sense you know yeah. if you're in a quarter final situation and you need a 20 minute impact he's brilliant to that unfortunately for him I know he's a brilliant starter for Leinster and their set piece hasn't really struggled with him there but um, Scanlon certainly looks like the kind of next starting hooker yeah I, I don't know whether Cronin has made peace with that or not and he probably ought not to as a, as a competitor but it's very hard to be as impactful as he is to come into a game and, and get right to the pitch of it in the 60th minute is a difficult skill which he's mastered so he is a victim of his own success in, to a degree and probably doesn't like that but there are, I can't think of any one of those four other hookers who if sat on the bench could make the impact Sean does on a regular basis mm. Second row and back row, Murray, are we going? <laughs> Your eyes. <laughs> no, that's tricky. <laughs> How long we, have we got? Yeah. <laughs> Second row, are we going Toner, Henderson, Ryan, Tyg Byrne? Yeah. Like Quinn Rue, uh, he's actually been really good for Ireland. He was good last month again. Um, but I think if you're picking a 31-man squad, there's four superb locks. Mm. So I think you're pretty happy with that. Byrne and Henderson obviously could play even six. Yeah. Uh, Ryan could probably play anywhere because he's <laughs> such a good player but yeah I think f- those four locks just make sense there's good balance there three of those guys can c- call lineouts as well so you're, you're pretty well set yeah. there back row this is where the difficulties really start Andy 
Yeah, I mean, you probably look at if you're picking a starting team next week, I think right now you've got two shoe-ins in O'Mahony and Stander. Mm. Um, then, you know, light a candle for the families and friends of everyone else. You're just thinking, who who the hell is going to get a chance? I mean, you go right down that list from Van der Fleer, who was third choice against the All Blacks, was one of the standout performers. Mm. Uh, Levy obviously had pulled up with the injury. O'Brien did the arm, but he'll come back from that. And then you've got people like Jordan Murphy and Reese Ruddock and Tommy O'Donnell. So, like, there's an incredible depth to that, uh, to that back row. Um... Yeah. What, what do you reckon? Like, he's going to pick five. Do you think he'll go with five? He's got to be very sparing with his second row choices in light of how many good back rows yeah. there are. So I think the four second rows for sure is a shoe in. And then you got like Byrne and Henderson can both play six. So yes. that, does that count against a guy like Ruddock, who is predominantly a six? six. Yeah. Um, I mean, probably does. Yeah. You know, Manny Stander, if you're going in there, if Sean O'Brien's fit, he's he's going. Yeah. Mm. I, I don't think you can go to work up without him. He, he Joe Schmidt has. Come, come back to him so many times yeah. he's been absolutely superb Dan Levy the same I would think when he's fully fit and firing so there's four year back rows you're looking at one more spot potentially and a pretty huge call like to think someone like Jordy well Jordy Murphy Van der Fleer or Ruddock wouldn't even get in a World Cup squad Jack Conan I mean, as well like Jack, he was, yeah. who's been excellent yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, this is how tricky it is if I'm going to make a call here uh, on what I think Joe Schmidt might go Reputation for. Reputation on the line. Yeah, I know he loves Josh Van der Fleer and deservedly so and he's been brilliant. I think Jordy Murphy will get in there because he can play seven yeah. and eight. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree on that. Okay. Oh, that was tough. Scrum half, <laughs> did Kieran Marmion do enough in November? He was superb. Obviously, he had that injury as well. Is he the shoe-in now is back up to, to Conor Murray and is Joe going to go for three nines? Is he, or what's the kind of makeup yeah. of the... Yeah, I think because Joey Carberry has some history as a nine certainly more than Ian Madigan did mm. like Joey Carberry as a youngster for those underage Leinster teams was a really impressive nine even up to under 19 level I think um, so I think you go for two scrum halves in, in Murray and Marmion which is desperately tough on Luke McGrath and Cooney who both have been playing really well for the provinces uh, and had some good performances in November but yeah again if you're going to be under so much pressure to keep spaces for, for the rest of your backline, I think that makes sense to me. What do you think, Andy? I disagree, Murray, wholeheartedly. Um, I think uh, I think Murray's, first of all, I, I, I think going in with two and a makeshift backup um, is very risky, and I think Joe is risk-averse. I think Conor Murray is going to have a giant target on both sides of his jersey That's true. in the World mm-hmm. Cup. He's so central to our game. I think every single team is going to go after him, uh, hell bent going after him physically. Now I think he'll be well protected. I think he can, you know, that game, that game against uh, Glasgow a couple of seasons ago yeah. it was touch and go. I mean, they went after his knees. It was pretty cynical. But mm-hmm. in a World Cup knockout, I can envisage the same thing happening. Um, God forbid he doesn't get injured. If he did, I would have uh, Luke McGrath as his out and out backup. I think he's a. He is ahead of Marmion. To me, there's parity in terms of how they pass. They've both improved on speed and accuracy and delivery, but there's very little between that. And I think Luke um, contributes more in his uh, running game, his his support lines, and I think he's a better box kicker. I think Marmion's box kicks were 
well, I suppose they weren't. You want three or four seconds of hang time for your chasers, so he wasn't getting enough of uh, air time on those. He's not getting under them enough. Uh, he was under pressure, of course, to do that. There's, there's big, tall, strong back rowers diving at his feet. Um, but he was also kicking in infield. He was kicking from the touchline infield, so it was wayward. There was a lack of accuracy in that, and that's hugely... Uh, risky or and or costly in a World Cup setting. I'd like to, ultimately I'd like to see us go away from ten to fifteen yard box kicks in our own twenty two. I can't fathom why we keep doing it. Um, it doesn't make sense to me. If again we're we're smart strategists, which we are, we can pass to a ten who can punt at seventy meters. You're you're giving up possession in the box kick. You know, your your yeah. your your aim is to try and get it back. You may not get it back. You've a fifty fifty chance. If you don't get it back, you're ten meters further down the field mm. and you've lost possession. I don't get it. So they probably went through a period where they were actually winning back a large amount of mm. twenty fourteen, fifteen and thinking. Yeah, I just it's it's I, I just think it's something we need to look at and it was poor it was the poorest part of Marmion's game. Um I don't envy him that because, you know, it wasn't an easy task. Mm. But in that in that vital kind of game against New Zealand it could, have, it could have killed us but I would go for three scrum halves to answer the question obviously Murray and McGrath is a clear cut second choice and I'd actually be a little bit controversial I'd put John Cooney in as the third choice because yeah, yeah. I think he's completely underrated and a superb place kicker Okay, Yeah and that could be a yeah. difference in a World Cup mm. so where are you going to where are you going to lose a number then? Um, I think we're going to have to lose a number in the back three so you're going to go five, five, back, five back three yeah. years. Uh, I think you can afford to be flexible there and, and the likes of Henshaw can play full back as well. Yeah. So Larmer and Addison can play 13. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we can afford to be more flexible in every every position is very, has specific challenges at international level but the, mm. they're not specialist skill positions like nine in my mind. Mm. Um, yeah, especially when you're so far away from home there's Mm. if you're going to have an injury and there'll be loads of guys going on holidays in Japan <laughs> 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 it's, it's a great, great time to go to uh, yeah, Tokyo for my holidays yeah. <laughs> okay okay so we'll go with we'll go with those three scrum halves Andy you've got the head coach's call there um, cheers <laughs> yeah. so uh, out halves I presume we're on a similar page there Sexton Carberry Burn are you going to go three there yeah I would yeah that's yeah. pretty straightforward we don't need to spend too much time the centres Henshaw, Ringrose and Aki are kind of nailed on they brought three centres last time um, and Darren Cave went. So those three probably make sense, even though Chris Farrell's going to come mm. back now and he's a brilliant player. You have McCluskey, Arnold, Tom Farrell, Rory Scandal. There's loads of guys on mm. the, the periphery there. But if you're going to be I think that's cutthroat, Yeah, I think that one is a, is a bit like your second rows. You have a clear-cut three front runners. And again, because of numbers and combinations and you can't, you've only 31 to pick, I think he'll just nail those three in. I, yeah. I don't think he'll yeah. spend huge time on that one. So we have five places for the back three. <laughs> Earls, Stockdale, Kearney, there's your starting back three at the moment. Do you yeah. think those three guys, Andy, for me, they're in there? Yeah, I would agree. And and then of the remaining three, Larmer, Conway and Addison, it's re- I would definitely include Larmer and then it's one from two from Conway and Addison it's a really tough call yeah um, be, versatility Addison it would be ominous for Conway based on the fact that Addison I think has been he's been kind of headhunted almost yeah. by Joe Schmidt mm. um, so I, I think with Joe's kind of thinking hat on I'd say he may 
right now if he was pushed plump for Addison because he's he's a bit more versatile than yeah. Comey. He's he, played 12, 13, 11, 14 yeah. and 15 as a yeah. professional player. And if you're going into a World Cup with three centres dedicated, you could put him in probably at 13 without any problem. And um, you don't forget, you've got the likes of Larmer you could potentially put into the centre too. But I don't know if he'd be comfortable putting Comey in the centre yeah. in the event of injury. Okay, there we have it. That was tough. It'll be even tougher in, well, 11 or 10 months' time. Yeah. There's guys going to come through, obviously, as well. We should put it out. We'll put it up on the on the site a little later and get people to send in their versions. But it's a pretty tricky task. And the, as we say, there's going to be more options coming on online as well. So, yeah, that's the best we've done. So Yeah, there's probably going to be two guys we've never heard of. You know, by the time <laughs> it Josh happens. Josh will pull yeah. them out of somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Great stuff, lads. Before we, uh, we look ahead to this weekend's Pro 14 games, we had a question in during the week from Peter Murphy. Just going back to... Um, the Ireland management team and Joe Schmidt obviously leaving. What do you reckon the chances of Joe Schmidt being the Lions coach in 2021 are, Murray? I think there's a decent chance. Um, I do think Joe's, Joe Schmidt's going to take a break and well-deserved one at that. Um, probably even with an eye on just regenerating himself, watching a bit more rugby even, <laughs> uh, coming up with some new trip. ideas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with a bit of time to think about it all, you know, uh, Pep Guardiola style kind of... Um, but I do think he's going to end up back coaching. I just can't see how someone like that, who is so obsessed and so driven to be successful, can step away from it. We should respect his his family decision, certainly. That's massive, and it's great that he's prioritizing that. Um, but yeah, the, the 21 tour would kind of make sense, wouldn't it? Yeah. Because you're not full, full time. You're kind of in and out of, of camps. There is quite a bit of time commitment in terms of the commercial side and all that kind sure. of stuff. I don't know how much you'd enjoy that. Uh, Warren Gatlin handled that pretty well. Um, but it would make sense, wouldn't it? If, if particularly mm. if he's got something further down the line, potentially All Blacks or, or whatever. I, I just think he he's so smart. He always has his next step kind of lined up, and yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him back in yeah. coaching. Andy, if you're a betting man, would you would you tip to see him in South Africa? Yeah, I think it's a really uh, smart observation there from Peter because. Uh, Graham Henry did it, for example, after mm. the Welsh job, and and one of the big reasons for. Um, New Zealand rugby, I think, to allow guys, well, they allow them go away. They don't encourage it, but they allow them go away, unlike their players. But they will bring guys back as coaches, but they won't bring them immediately back from a international job into, don't seem to do it, into an All Blacks job. It's almost like they need to serve their uh, time back home. Or, as as Henry did, he came back and did a, bit, a small bit of work with Auckland Blues and an assistant role, and then was allowed to do the Lions, and then was back in New Zealand for another period of three, four months. Then they said, come into the mm. setup. I, d- I think New Zealand rugby are very keen to protect themselves from, uh, I suppose, a brain drain, and their best coaches going up to the Northern Hemisphere getting paid three times as much as they would in New Zealand, and then coming back, you know, as a coronation style into an All Blacks job. If that was the case, the best, most promising young coaches like Scott Robertson are going to leave and go to a French job so I think New Zealand are going to try and hold on to guys or certainly have a period of grace for good coaches like Schmidt who come back to New Zealand rugby it's almost like they have to earn their time again and then get a New Zealand job so I could really really see him getting a Lions job maybe after a period away from the game coming back in enthused and energised and and making quite an attempt at that I suspect he'd be quite good at it Yeah for sure thanks a million for sending in that uh, question Peter remember if you want to uh, send us a question you can do so by emailing Heineken Rugby Weekly at the 42.e or get us across social media channels 
Lads, before we wrap up, obviously Pro 14 action this weekend. Munster in action against Edinburgh in Cork on Friday night. Johan van Graan has named a pretty strong team. I'm just seeing Peter Manny comes back into captain along with Andrew Conway, Keith Earls, Dave Cocoyne, Neil Scannell, John Ryan and Ty Byrne. Obviously first starts of the season for Chris Farrell and Connor Murray. So mm. you'd imagine a home win there, Murray. Yeah, I think so. Really strong team. Uh, Munster at home. Edinburgh lost to Dragons last weekend as well. So yeah, I think Munster are going to win that. For sure. Dragons against Leinster, Andy, on Saturday. Bernard Jackman still serving his stadium ban for that game. Leinster have won seven Pro 14 games on the bounce now. An away win in that one for you? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think the Dragons could cope with Leinster's uh, strength and depth. Also on Saturday, Murray Ulster against Cardiff Blues. Ulster won just twice in their last seven games in the Pro 14. Are they are they in desperate need of a win before the back-to-back Champions Cup games? They absolutely are. Um, I thought the performance was poor against Scarlets last weekend. Albeit they did have the, the really, you know, they speak about fighting for inches. They went mm. until the final whistle and nearly scored a, a try right at the end and made Scarlets work hard. So they're they're under a bit of pressure to, to get the win there. And I think that that hint of, of pressure on them will, will bring out a, a stronger performance so I, I'd suspect Ulster will win that one Yeah and finally Andy uh, Connacht obviously still in South Africa they had a great win last mm. week in Port Elizabeth they're against the Cheetahs on Saturday um, the last time they won three Pro 14 games in a row was March 2017 obviously bidding to do that this weekend how do you see that one going? Um, I think Connacht to get a win yeah I, th- I think the overall contribution of the South African team still has quite a question mark on mm. it as a spectacle and their they're, they don't have seem to, I mean, they're they're certainly not setting the world alight in the Pro 14 and their contribution overall. I'm not sure would it be a long-lasting uh, involvement. Um, and as such, I think they're a little bit, um, well, they're not enthused by the tournament, it doesn't seem. So I think Connacht to win, yeah. Yeah, Murray, just a final word, I suppose, before we wrap up on Connacht. Andy Friend, they've made really good progress, haven't they? And, you know, that performance last week going away to South Africa was a good win for them. Yeah, I think they're having a great time over there. I was speaking to a couple of guys on, on the phone this week. Um, even defensively, they've had a really good season so far. So mm. Talking to Peter Wilkins, the defence coach, and there's just massive buy into everything. The, the positivity around the place compared to last season is just, it's on a different level. So that has made a big difference. And yeah, there's certainly positive signs. I think they're well aware there's a lot more ahead of them, but good, good start to the season, yeah. Yeah, brilliant stuff. Lads, thanks a million. We've run out of time, unfortunately. But again, Andy, thanks for joining us, Mary, Cheers, as man. always. Cheers. And thank you for listening. If you want to get more from the game, join Heineken Rugby Club, whose members enjoy exclusive rewards like match tickets and more. Visit heinekenrugbyclub.com for more. And remember to enjoy Heineken responsibly and visit drinkaware.ie on how to do so. Enjoy the rugby this weekend and we'll catch you next week.